the, their labor shortage, right? And so that's really driving that bridge or, or, or looking to close that gap mm -hmm. is because we can't find qualified people anymore in our space. And so the question um, that I always get asked by ownership is, is how do I turn 1 p.m. into 2 p.m.s? Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast sponsored by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is Jeffrey Nesbitt, the National Director of Consulting Services Construction for CLA. Jeffrey's strong construction industry market knowledge and connections have helped clients with installing best practices for connecting the back office to the field and advisement on the latest technology tools to help you manage, grow, and increase your company's value. Welcome to the show, Jeffrey. Thanks for having me, Tom. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, so what brought you into the construction industry? Well, uh, it started years ago. Um, I started off working actually for a masonry contractor, um, mostly around decorative stone and different things of facades and things like that, working as an estimator and project manager out here in Phoenix, Arizona, and quickly decided, boy, I really love this industry, but I don't know if I want to be in the heat actually doing this hard work. <laughs> so, so from there, uh, I, I discovered way back in the day, Timberline software, right? Construction accounting software. And uh, I really just found a passion around technology. You know, I was always an early adopter with technology. So my career mm -hmm. really over the last 17 years of took it off around software construction specific technology before landing here at CLA. Yeah. Nice. We're, we're fans of technology around here. <laughs> uh, how do you think you can use technology then to create kind of better processes in construction? Well, I think the technology is not always necessarily creating better processes, but it's enforcing those, right? Mm. We're using technology to help leverage what we consider best practices. Mm -hmm. So for so long in, in the construction industry, you guys, you know, as well, that, you know, we haven't been quick adapters, right? It was the hammer, the fax machine, and now boom, all of a sudden, you know, we're taking off here. So yeah. it's really about those internal processes and having technology leverage it and put the controls in place to make sure people are using it. Mm -hmm. So how do you go about nailing down a really good solid process in order to implement that tech? Yeah, so it's it's not really rocket science. It's it's understanding, you know, you have to have really good understanding of the construction industry. And and when I say that, look at all the different verticals, right? You know, you you've got the MEP, you've got heavy highway, you've got general contractors. And, and everyone looks at it through a different lens. So mm -hmm. really understanding the, the general construction industry, but the diverse needs of each individual vertical. And what are the best practices? What are the leaders in the industry doing? Um, taking those, so we get those through, you know, just a series of interviewing and spending time with people. Because, you know, one of the things I've learned over the years is the way we estimate a job is not the way we account for the job in accounting nor is it the way we manage and build the job in the field, but yet everybody in this company touches the job at some point in time, right? Mm -hmm. And that's really where you start to discover, if you look at things almost from a data flow perspective or, or natural life cycle of winning a job, building it and accounting for it, that's where you start to find those holes and you know those disparate spreadsheets and manual processes and you know black binders that you know sit in a 
fancy library for project managers back in the day. So that's, that's how you do it. It's just, you know, rolling up your sleeve and finding out what is it everyone does on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Uh, how do you go about building that consistency then throughout the internal operations to kind of break down those silos so people are able to see where the gaps are? You know, it's, you're exactly right. It's silos, it's data silos. And in our industry, um, we're really, really busy folks. And there's what I call real work to get done. And that's why we've been laggards or behind the eight ball because we're winning these projects and we're so consumed with building them that we're allowing our individuals or departments to go out and solve their own problems. Mm -hmm. So uh, if I look at an estimating department or a project management group, if there's 10 in each one, well, they're probably, you know, using 10 different spreadsheets, there's no consistency, and they're all doing things their own way. And, And probably more concerning is sometimes they're bringing their habits from their previous employer, right? Mm-hmm. And so is that a best practice if, you know, you were working at a general contractor as a PM and now you're at a self-performing concrete or an electrical contractor? Probably not. So it's, it's, it's understanding what is it that they need and showing the value to them. There has to be a benefit for, for, for employees or people to make a move or to do a change because change hurts. It's hard. Mm-hmm. So I don't focus so much time on uh, what is it I need from them as it is, what is it that they need? What is it they need to do their jobs better? And then share that with the upper management and put processes in place that gives them the power and the tools and information that they need to be successful. Mm -hmm. So is it more about like bringing one person to kind of own finding those gaps and those shortcomings, or is it more creating a, a culture that kind of is breaking down those silos and, you know, kind of everybody's looking for it and democratize that. Yeah. I think it's, it's really, it's both Todd. Um, you have to have someone say, we, this is a problem that we need to fix. And so uh-huh. that that's probably some type of uh, committee uh, or, or group, you know, a leader in project management, a leader in accounting. Um, but it is a cultural shift. That's probably the biggest change, which is shifting the mindset from accounting or back offices, information management tools, as opposed to organizationally, our tool as a company. Mm-hmm. And that really, that really starts with leadership and, and driving it down to say, this is the way we look at our organization. And this is the way we're going to manage our business and helping and encouraging that. And it's sharing that information with them. Uh, I think knowledge is power. Um, the organizations that are learning and changing and constantly adapting, those are the ones that we're seeing most successful today uh, within our firm. Mm-hmm. I think bringing it to the, the applicable and the, the real world uh, aspect of it is is important too. So I, I hear in my mind, some of the, the field guides going, why do I care what the accounting software is? Or I don't need to know that. Or if they have a shortcoming in their process, that's their problem. But if you can make it real to the field of like, this is how it's impacting you out in the field on the job site, we have to figure out this communication flow because it's making you inefficient and and being able to to tell that story with specifics. I think that's how uh, we start getting those other departments and groups kind of bought into it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. The name of your podcast, Bridging the Gap, is really reflective, isn't it, of our construction industry? It's, it's bridging the gap between the field and the back office. 
Sure. And, and exactly like you said, if I'm talking to the guys in the field, the story I hear is, listen, those accounting people, they're historians. Like they're telling me old news. And if we talk to the accounting department, they'll, they'll, they'll jokingly say those Nathandrals, they can't get us the information that we need when we yeah. need it. Uh, the truth is, is they're all working together in unison and asking the same thing. So when you ask a, a person in the field to say, hey, I need you to do timekeeping, but more importantly, I need you to tell me, you know, what cost code you were working on when you did your activity and what was your productivity factor for that? Because that's the way we estimated and maybe won our job. And by doing that, here's what you're going to get back, right? You'll have a better understanding of what's expected of you and your team where you're at at any given point in time, because people are competitive people, they want to win, right? Mm -hmm. And so giving them that information and that power. And then, you know, if you have the capabilities of putting a bonus plan in place around hitting those deliverables, all the better. Mm -hmm. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. Yeah, kind of the, the gamification of, of things. Yeah. yeah, as a highly hyper competitive person, I, I'm fully on board with that. <laughs> exactly, we all are, and I think it's our nature, yeah. whether we admit it or not. Oh, I, I, uh, I readily admit it, but <laughs> uh, so what are some kind of low hanging fruit uh, if you will, on how to bridge that information gap between the field and the office, because it's a big gap. Let's be real. It's a, it's a large bridge for, we're building, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Lots of support <laughs> underneath that bridge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, how do we start that process? It, you know, companies are looking at the, their labor shortage, right? And so that's really driving that bridge or, or, or looking to close that gap mm -hmm. is because we can't find qualified people anymore in our space. And so the question um, that I always get asked by ownership is, is how do I turn 1 p.m. into 2 p.m.s? You mm -hmm. know, uh, how do I take my C crew and turn them into a B crew, my B crew turn them into an A crew? Mm -hmm. And that's really around uh, the processes. Uh, it's people, it's processes, and it's tools. And I think you have to have the right people and processes before you can even figure out what are the right tools that you need to leverage and help build that bridge, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. I would say the low-hanging fruit, quite honestly, surprisingly, is probably the simplest problem to solve, which is timekeeping. Okay. I can, yeah, I can tell you, yeah, I can't tell you, I should say, how many people are still using paper time cards. It's really mind blowing with all these mobile apps out there and things that can collect time on a daily basis. Uh, that's probably the quickest one, especially for large self-performing electrical, you know, in your space MEP type contractors where, um, you know, I've done an informal study. It takes about 20 minutes to process each individual time card. Mm -hmm. That's just on the payroll side. And, and the approval side internal, but that doesn't include the guys actually filling it out, you know, um, 
driving it back in their truck, you know, some's getting stuck under the seat, some's blown out the window, you know, all that fun stuff. But, you know, if you look at that, they're, they're wasting thousands of dollars a week, um, large self-performing contractors, yeah. just that simple process. Interesting. Um, what do you think the, the hangup is? If it's a, kind of an easy fix there, potentially, why the reluctance? Uh, I just think it's a couple things. One is, is people are so busy uh, that they, they don't take the time out to solve the problem. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think that's because there's a lack of information. Uh, there's a cost to not fixing problems. I'm sure just there like there's a cost to fixing it, right? Sure. Oh, I have to buy new software, get people trained. And that's really what um, people focus on is that outlaying cost. But they don't realize what is that internal cost that they're already incurring by not fixing this. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think if you can uh, sit down and share with them and show them uh, sort of the dollars they're stepping over to pick up pennies, if you will, um, it's, it's always eyes eye-opening that, you know, they can, this stuff pays for itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always think it's interesting too when people are, uh-huh, they'll say, oh, I'll, I'll tackle that when I have the time and things slow down a little bit. Well, it's never going to slow down. <laughs> they just keep oh. staying busy. So that gap just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and they keep getting further and further behind. And I got news for uh, these guys, you know, your competition is doing it. And so you're falling further and further behind them. So if you know, you want a motivation, there's your motivation. Let's go back to the competitiveness. <laughs> yes. They're doing it. You got to keep up. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. It's not only it, it's not about the competitiveness as well as it's just survival at this point. Yeah. If you're not adapting to technology and, and, and mirror and having that mirror your processes, there's a good chance you're not going to be around for a very long time because let's face it, these margins are tight and they're getting tighter with the labor costs rising with material costs rising. And so if you're not, if you're not picking up efficiencies, uh, with using technology, you're probably not going to be around for very long. And that's a scary thing. And uh, I think more and more contractors are really seeing it this year, right? The impact of the COVID-19, uh, where it used to be, hey, we'll drive those time cards in and we'll drop them off at the office. Um, well, a lot of times those people aren't even there in the office anymore to drop them off at, right? So mm-hmm. now what? Now what are we doing there? They're now making photocopies of it. And, you know, attaching it to emails and sending, you know, that's yeah. very efficient. <laughs> uh, so you bring up COVID, uh, the, you know, the big elephant in the room of this year. <laughs> uh, from your vantage point, what, what do you see as the kind of the main impact that COVID has had on the industry? It's, it's a good question. The, the main impact has been it's expedited the need to adapt technology. Uh-huh. And it's sort of put a spotlight on holes in their organizations um, because of remote needs, because people aren't in the office, and because of the timeliness when you don't have tools to support you that they're falling behind, right? Um, I've seen billings and cash flow become issue for a lot of the contractors out there today uh, because they don't have tools to help support them. And so their manual process of coming into an office, filing through file cabinets to get their billings done and get supporting documentation, you know, the PMs need. Um, that's really putting a crunch around a lot of organizations and their cash flow and their projections of what they need for the remainder of the year. Mm. 
So how do they uh, start to try to overcome some of that challenge? Well, you know, in my world, I look at things sort of as the triangle of truth. And, you know, that's your scope, actuals, and schedule. And having those things tied together is how we can overcome things. And that was to my earlier point of thinking of things as our construction platform. I've, I've really leaned in the last month and a half away from talking about ERP or individual project management tools or estimating tools. And I start talking things about a construction platform because that can mean a lot of things to a lot of different companies. But when you talk about our construction platform within our organization, that naturally is bringing buy-in because we're all involved in it, right? When you say ERP, you're really thinking accounting, aren't you? And maybe that's not so appealing to our PMs and field people, but the truth is PMs are doing accounting activities, sure. right? They're approving AP invoices. They're doing progress billings. Um, they're in accounting tools, whether they know it or not sometimes. So it's really about tying those things together um, where we can you know, understand what did, what's the scope of what we said it was gonna cost and do, what's our schedule to get it done, and are we actually doing what we said we were gonna do in the time frame we said we were gonna do it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so coming at the technology from a little bit different angle with data, uh, you know, they, they say the, the line data is king, Construction's really only using about like 12% of data to, to make decisions. So why is the industry using just a little fraction of this great information that they have? Well, according to Forrester Research, that fraction is 12% of the available information or data the executives have when they're making a business decision on their organization. And so if we look at like COVID, right? Like, can you imagine going to the doctor and they say, hey, you got COVID. You're like, great, just give me 12% of the diagnosis or what I need to do to get better, right? Like, yeah. where in life is this acceptable? And so it shouldn't be acceptable for our contractors. And, and so, you know, sometimes they're like, Jeffrey, you're nuts. I'm like, you guys are a data organization. They're like, what are you talking about? I said, everything you do drives data. Everything you're capturing is data that you can measure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things that we like to show them is, is how can they harvest that data? And there's different tools out there. We've created some, there's lots of off the shelf stuff, but it's understanding, taking that data, and I mentioned it earlier, and how do I apply it in in a construction company? And I tell them, well, you should become a learning organization. And they say, Jeffrey, first you want me to be a data company. Now you want me to be a learning organization. You know, I lay pavement for a living, you know? I'm like, yes, I understand that. it it really data takes things from an emotional standpoint to a factual conversation. You know, a lot of times when we're working with folks, they'll say, this is what's happening. And it's a very emotional reaction. Mm -hmm. And so what, what can we do with data? It's the supports factual conversations, which lead to more realistic decision-making, which leads to profitability and growth. So I like to take a lot of that data and say, what do we do with it? How do we learn from it? And I, I challenge our clients a lot of times to create, I call them centers of excellence. And they're basically learning centers, right? So when we have the data, we understand what are the best PMs doing? What are the best crew people doing? Because we can back that up factually. And then if we say, how do we apply that to the rest of that department or that group? That's a learning organization, right? Mm-hmm. Those ones that are adopting. That's why I said we got our A players. We all know who they are. 
but how do we take our B players and make them A players or our C players and make them B players? Like think about the elevation just from simple data analytics. And it's not requiring you to do anything additional. It's just really harvesting the things you've done. Mm-hmm. And have a little self-awareness there mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to, and self-reflection really to take the time to look back at the data and go, okay, what can, how, how can we use this? How can we learn from this to, to grow and do better and be yeah. more efficient next time? Cue Michael Jackson's man in the mirror song, right? Cause that's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> there you go. Maybe we'll have to play it in the background. No, we won't have copyrights for that. <laughs> dub, dub that in real quick. Right. You got, you got enough money to pay for that. <laughs> we'll just leave a couple of notes out, right? They, <laughs> then it works. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Hey, everyone. Wanted to let you know of an upcoming event that you don't want to miss. I'm talking about the MEP Mastermind Series sponsored by Applied Software. Want a forum to get with other industry professionals to further help improve the MEP industry? This is the place for you. Join me on October 29th as I host Jake Olson, CEO and co-founder of Dado. You will remember Jake from episode 33 when we talked about the importance of a healthy culture to bridge the gap between the office and the field. Well, during MEP Masterminds, Jake will lead the conversation on the digital divide and when technology widens the gap between teams. Come learn and discuss best practices from across the MEP industry to help this. Looking forward to seeing you on October 29th at 4 p.m. Eastern. Go to asti.com slash mepmasterminds for more details and to register today. See you then. So what's a, a trend to watch out for that nobody's really talking about yet? Um, I'm going to say it's, it's process automation. Okay. And when I, when you think of automation in our space, you automatically think of robotics and or 3D printing and things like that. It's really about the process automation around those very mundane tasks and manual processes uh, that people are doing internally, right? That's where those efficiencies are found, whether it's in accounts payable where, you know, if you're an electrical contractor and you're getting 1,000, 2,000 invoices, whatever a month in, right? You've got this army of AP people. How, how, do, we, how do we automate that? right and get yeah. that information to our pms and different people that need to approve those invoices so it's really around those internal activities as well as external activities that can be automated to pick up some efficiencies um you know again another study i did with one of our large contractors um a high volume of invoices uh we've discovered you know without process automation or, or looking at how we can clean that up you know a fair amount of the invoices they were approving, it costs more to, to approve. They're spending more money in AP people and PMs and the handling of that information than the actual invoice that they were paying. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, depending on the type of contract you are, it, it could literally be hundreds of thousands of dollars annually. Yeah. You could save. And just something simple like that. Yeah, that should be a wake-up call. <laughs> For the ones that have a lot of invoices, it should be. <laughs> uh, well, maybe on a similar note, where do you think most construction firms are really kind of just wasting time? Um, where are they wasting time? Boy, how much time do we have? 
No, I don't want to knock them. They're, they're, I mean, they, they've got a tough job. They are uh, building some of the most complex projects in the world with the tightest margins. And so I think where they're wasting time is it might be on looking at, you know, purchasing a lot of technology is what I see, um, you know, death by a thousand apps without, uh-huh. without taking care of that process first. I mean, I don't, I hate to be a, a broken record, but if you can't fix internally first, you know, and that look, that man in the mirror look, if you will, technology is not going to solve it because you won't know what you need to solve. Right. So I, I think, the, I think the it might make it worse. Is, yeah. In many cases it does. Right. You know, um, because the, the different departments still are talking to, to each other. They're great looking tools and fancy dashboards, but it's still not communicating. So I think the waste of time is in, in companies um, trying to solve problems without looking internally first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what kind of impact does that really have on the, the bottom line? It relates back to the cost of doing nothing. So when, when we look at an organization and either do nothing or you just buy technology and don't fix it internally, what happens uh-huh. is, is there's time lost. And so when we're working with accounting and project management, sort of bridging that gap, you know, we find that there's a significant amount of time wasted looking for information, data, right? A conflict comes up, it needs a resolution, uh, or there's rework. And so that already is time wasted. And then we say, well, where's the information we need to support this choice or make this decision? You know, uh, on average, a PM will waste over five hours a week just looking for data information mm-hmm. on his own jobs, right? Because it's all over the place. And then, then they have to pull in accounting uh, or they got to pull in a director of VP level and they're wasting three to four hours. And so it doesn't sound like much, but when you add that up, it, you know, and you look at a PM salary, that could be over $40,000 a year. And then you say, okay, how many PMs do we have? Multiply that out. So again, it's, there's money all around internally um, that they're not aware that they're losing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the bottom line is, is, you know, one is, is we're losing money. Um, I say the bigger, the biggest problem is, is visibility. Now they don't have a lack of visibility into their, into their jobs. That's, you know, that's the big, big one for me is, is, you know, yeah. Okay. I'm losing money by doing this manual activity, but more importantly, I don't know where I'm at at my job at any given point in time. You know, do I really know? Do I have right. confidence in that number? Right. Yeah. Makes total sense. What does innovation mean to you? Innovation, what does innovation mean to me? Uh, It means forward looking, forward thinking. It means looking to fix a problem. Innovation is simply solving challenges. You know, those are opportunities. And so how are we going to do that? You know, innovation can be many things. It could be a new great app that no one's even thought of yet that we're not even thinking of today, or it could be a way to do our jobs more efficiently and effectively. That's innovation. Yeah. Nice. I like it. I always like hearing people's perspective on, on innovation. You know, we have the, the tagline, keep innovating. So it's, it's always, it's always yeah. interesting because there's, there's so many different angles and, and ways that you can 
take it and, and innovate innovation. So <laughs> it's, uh, I like it's always that. Fun. I like that. Uh, so how do people get a hold of you and, and learn more about CLA? Well, you can always throw my contact information up there, but you can, you can reach out uh, directly at me at jeffrey.nesbitt at claconnect.com. Uh, we have over 130 offices around the country, uh, over 400 people focusing strictly uh, working on contractors and working with contractors. And we over, you know, 9,000 contractors across our 130 offices. So if it isn't me, we have someone that can uh, definitely help you. Awesome. Well, Jeffrey, thanks so much for, for taking the time. Appreciate you coming I, on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you, Todd. Hey everyone, time for our three quick Todd takes from this conversation. This is our new segment highlighting things that stood out to me. First up is the need to democratize your tech stack. Make it our tool as a company and not just a particular department. This will help to create greater buy-in throughout the company. And in order to successfully accomplish this, you need to know, address, and communicate the benefit for each department spend some self-reflection time looking in the mirror. Second takeaway, it's okay to play into people's competitive edge and look for those win-win situations. Embrace your inner competitor. It will help you to look for ways to improve efficiencies through technology. And if you need some motivation, your competitor, they're already doing this. The third takeaway, you must have the right people in place to develop the right processes to implement the right tools. Remember, people, processes, tools. Thank you to all those listening. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software at asti.com for more information. And you can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. Until next time, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is directed by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2020.